Well, we keep asking the question about who is Jesus, and I want to introduce you to him, uh, that he is amazing. There's none like him, and there will never be another one like him. And, and we're going to talk about today that Jesus is our sanctifier. Now, that's such a strange word, a word that we don't use a lot. It's a theological term. That means the one who takes us where we are and then makes us into what we're to become. That's what sanctification really means, taking you where you are and then working in your life and your character, your behaviors, your decisions to become like what you're supposed to become. Now, while others answer that question based on a cultural or unrealistic perception, I want you to answer this question from a biblical perspective. Now, last week we talked about Jesus as our healer, and we talked about cultural healing. Now, today we're going to talk about sanctification. Now, here's a word I'm going to throw out. Holiness. What? Yeah. Jesus desires for you to be like him. He is holy, so he wants you to be holy as well. Now, holiness means to be set apart, means to be set aside. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean achieving some level of spiritual superiority. Like I know all of us have experienced people who thought they were spiritually better than everyone else because they talk a certain way or act a certain way or but they're not. It's holiness is to be set apart for God. So we're going to talk about the holiness of God and, and more how our, and the holiness of God is really more than our minds can comprehend. Jesus, the God man, was perfect in holiness, and he wants us to be like him. Listen to this. Paul said this in Romans. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, to be like Jesus. The scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And that's 1 Peter 1, 16. Now that's Peter talking. And Peter probably was the most unholy rascal in the Bible uh, as God continued to work on Peter's character and Peter's life. Even after Peter was the apostle who preached the gospel, preached the sermon at Pentecost and was kind of the, the rock of the church and kind of, you know, uh, kind of that, that small stone that Jesus was building using us, him being the cornerstone, Peter kind of the central person. Of, he still messed up. He goes to hang out with Paul in a Gentile city, and the Jews show up, and he starts acting like a Jew, and Paul calls him out. So even Peter wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Paul said, I had a thorn in my flesh. Who knows what that was that kept him dependent upon God? But God is moving us to become like Christ. Now, this is intimidating to me. I really don't know what holiness is for sure, and I sure don't know how I can become holy. I, I don't. So what I'm going to lead you is into a process of kind of understanding that I know I could fool you into thinking I'm holy. I could fool you because you really don't know what it is together. I can act like I have my act together. I can act like I'm holy. But the truth is your opinion doesn't count. Oh, that's right. I can trick you, but your opinion doesn't count. What counts is what God says. I can't fool God. I can't play with God. The requirement of holiness is too difficult for me, but it's not too difficult for God. That is the big thing to hang on. God is so loving and good that he would never expect us to become something we never could become. So he helps us, and he will empower us because of his love and his goodness. Jesus himself is the one who's working through us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make us like himself. He is not working through a list of behavioral expectations. 
but he's creating a clean heart, a willing spirit, a purposeful life in and for and through us. He's doing the work. He is our sanctifier. Now, we as a church are part of a greater movement that's really defined by holiness, a movement that desires to make Jesus famous by revealing his love and his hope to people. So therefore, we must be loving, we must be brave, who live like Jesus in a broken world. We define that moment as a life built by God, and we do that all for Jesus. Now, how does a seemingly impossible work of holiness come about? And why do I struggle with this? And why do I never feel like I really measure up? So let's take a deeper look at Jesus as our sanctifier and the one who really makes us holy. So let's go on this adventure. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us again this morning. And I pray that you speak through me that, uh, Father, even in, in my kind of cloudy mind, that you'll bring clarity as we dive into your word. And I pray you'll bring that to those who listen as well. So I thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, here's the first problem we face is that, um, well, it, it is the problem. We're sinners. Listen to what Paul said in Romans three twenty three. For everyone, that means all of us, have sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, here's the anatomy of sin. Woman was conceived when she saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At their moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt their shame at their nakedness. Now, I want you to look at this. This is the anatomy of sin. This is kind of how it manifests itself. First of all, your eyes are open. That means you see what you want to see. And what you focus on is what you become. What the heart seeks, the eye sees. So their eyes were open. They all of a sudden were like, and this is the first thing they thought, God's been not telling us all the truth. We would have eaten this fruit a long time ago. We would have been like God. God's been holding out on us. And see, that's the attractiveness of sin. It's the lie of Satan that God has not done everything that's good for you, so you need to find something better for you. Huh. And then what's followed immediately by an open eyes is shame. They were naked. Woman, you ain't got no clothes on. Man, you need to cover yourself up. So they sewed together fig leaves. Up until this time, get this, there was no shame. Man, wouldn't you love to live in a world with no shame? Man, I would too. But there's shame. And, and then, so they started covering. And they not just covered themselves physically. They covered themselves emotionally. They covered themselves relationally. They covered themselves spiritually. The intimacy they had in physical intimacy and spiritual intimacy and relational intimacy and open to honesty, that's gone because of sin. One of the top needs of men and women, both of them, is open and honesty. And sin destroys it. How can we become sanctified? How can we become holy? We have this obstacle of sin that brings shame and covering. And then blame. Look at this. Look at what they do. God comes and confronts them. And the man blames the woman. The woman blames the snake. And the snake doesn't have a leg to stand on. I know. I'm sorry. Ola, old story. I keep saying it. I can't help myself. I'm not even ashamed of it. Anyway, that's what happens, and we blame. I never want to say, I never, ever want to say, hey, I was wrong. Why? Because I'm not holy. I'm not holy. 
I don't want to ever tell Tara, yes, you were right. I was wrong. No, because I want to be right and I want to blame her for, for me being wrong. You caused me to do this. You make me so mad, I say. The truth is, it's my own sin that makes me mad. Dang it. And we blame. And then we separate. And our blame and our, and our shame and our covering, it causes us to pull apart. And we become divided. I don't think I've ever seen a nation as divided as the United States is right now. And it's all about, I want to do what I want to do, and I want to do it. Open eyes. It's all about shame. It's all about covering and blame. And the, the curse of sin pollutes everything. It pollutes creation. It pollutes, pollutes the universe. It pollutes mankind. In fact, Paul says in Romans that all the world is groaning for the revelation of the sons of God. And all the words... In other words, the world is groaning for us to become like Jesus. Wow. And we're helpless. Romans says this, the trouble is, is with me, for I am all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I really don't understand myself for what I do, what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. <clears throat> so I'm not the one who's doing wrong. It's the sin living me, living in me that does it. I read that and I think even Paul's blaming sin for his sin. Kind of interesting. Sin is not so much the act of rebellion, but the rebellion that says I can be God. I want to do what I want to do and I want to do it. So what's the solution? Galatians 2.20 says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Uh, I, I, it, is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I then, in order for me to become like Jesus, I have to shift intentionally in my mind to be Christ-centered. I have to move from me being centered to Christ-centrality. Listen to what Peter says. Through Christ, you've come to trust in God. And you've placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sin when you obeyed the truth. In other words, when you trusted Jesus, you were cleansed from your sin. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Wait, because I've been cleared of sin, I'm supposed to love my brother? Yes. And sister? Yes. Love each other deeply with all your heart, for you have been born again. Man, what if the church really was known as the place of love? Wow. It's still the place of judgment, our condemnation, our self-preservation, our preference meeting. What if we were really known as the place of love? I believe that's our desire because that is becoming like Jesus, and that, my friend, is being sanctified. So what do I do? I have to trust Jesus. I have to become Christ-centered. I have to give you my life. I need to be hoping in Jesus. That hope is not a feeling or an expectation, but hope is a person. And I've got to hope in Christ. Then I've got to allow a Christ to cleanse me. Now, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, Scott. You said you have to allow Christ to cleanse you. That's right. Because my biggest problem is me, and the devil wants to keep me in bondage to sin, and sometimes I will not forgive myself, which is arrogant. Because if Christ has forgiven me, who am I to hold my own stuff against my own self? Wow. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. So I'm restored by Christ. Relationally restored. So I don't, there's no more shame and there's no more blame. I'm reborn by Christ so that he is now abiding in me so I remain in Christ. So I've been relationally restored. I've been reborn and now I remain. I abide in Christ. And I have a life that's built by God. A life that's connected, growing, serving, and sharing. See, holiness is not about me arriving at something. Holiness is about me living my life all for Jesus. You are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you could show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. That sanctification is a process until one day he glorifies me. Yeah. That I'm to grow to be like Jesus, but I will never become Jesus. Yeah. That I need to really surrender my life to Christ-centered living and to Christ-centered hopefulness and Christ-centered abiding as he crafts me into what I should be for his glory until he takes me to glory. Uh Uh-huh. So Christ is our sanctifier. He's the one that does the work. Yep. What do I have to do? Let him. And then I put myself in an environment where I can become that. That's what the church is supposed to be. That we're an assembly of broken people who've been made whole by a holy God to live out his purpose in a sanctified life that we might proclaim to the world there is a Savior. Hmm. I really need to meet Jesus because he's the one who makes me holy. Yep. Because Jesus is my life. Uh Uh-huh. So I can live all for Jesus. Yeah, whatever it takes. Meet Jesus. He's your sanctifier. You're not ever going to become like Christ without Christ in you. The hope of glory. Father, thank you for what you've said to us in this brief talk today. That we might be changed by you. That coming to you as Savior produces a life of longing, of Christ-centered living, that it's all about you, and it's all for you, and that you are building a temple for yourself out of the rough timbers of my soul. Thank you for loving me and saving me. Thank you for not living, leaving me alone or not pushing me to become more like you. Thank you for refining my character and convicting me of sin and cleansing me from all unrighteousness. Thank you for all those things. And Father, I pray that those that are listening today will respond to you by faith. Some by the, for the first time. Some for the remainder 
uh, just to remind themselves that they belong to you. So, Father, help us to live our for you. And I know you will because you are our sanctifier. We pray this in your name. Amen.